Plug those headphones in. It's time for Ireland's only interactive podcast, the multi-award winning Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. You're very welcome to this latest Opinions Matter podcast recorded at our studio in the White Sands Hotel in Port Marnock in North County Dublin. And this is Adrian Kennedy. And today's uh, podcast is a little bit different because we're going to look at a topic that rarely gets talked about, yet I regularly rip the piss out of our Jeremy over uh, living with this condition. Now, if you suffer with it, you probably don't think there's any help out there for you. Uh, you also maybe think that uh, you're the only person who does suffer with it. Well, you're not. We're going to be talking about OCD. Up to 20% of the population in Ireland, and possibly including you, could suffer with o- OCD. And here are just, uh, to give you an idea, some of the compulsions that people with OCD can uh, suffer with. Counting, repetitively and obsessively counting. Checking things like light doors, uh, sorry, lights, doors, uh, switches and so on. Placing objects in a specific way, like lining up your tins of beans all facing outwards. Hair pulling, uh, repeating rituals over and over and over again. Washing and cleaning, the list goes on. Um, In a couple of moments, um, I'm going to be talking to the director of a place I never knew existed, uh, and that is an OCD clinic uh, in Dublin. We're going to be finding out a little bit more about what they do in a couple of minutes. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a WhatsApp to 085-825-2626. If you are somebody who uh, suffers with OCD, we want to find out the different conditions that people are uh, experiencing. Uh, as I said, we'd be talking to the director of the OCD clinic in Dublin in uh, just a moment. But before that, I want to just uh, remind you of uh, two calls that we had on recent podcasts uh, about this subject and what they lived through. Have a listen to these. It's funny just when um, the word stability thing came up because that was what I said in my message. It's unreal. I've had it since I was a kid and people can kind of laugh it off and think, oh, yeah, it's just a little quirk or yeah. idiosyncrasy it's really not like okay so how, I, do, how does it impact on your life basically uh, well one thing with me is obsessive um hand washing like i'm not the cleanest person my house is a mess but i wash my hands to death and i literally must go through a bottle of hand sanitizer a day so that's one element the other is a counting thing with me mm-hmm. um that say for example even with if i'm drying my hair i think that i can't just um, if it's dry after 98 um, like brushes, that my nana will die because she's 98. Oh, that's, so very, that's very further. severe. The signal OCD is a little bit, it's, you don't kind of take the piss out of other mountain illnesses. No, you OCD don't. Like, ah, I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit OCD. You're not a little bit OCD. You either suffer with OCD or you don't. OCD is a very complex condition. I suffered with it for a long time. Um, and, and sorry, when you say you suffered with it, uh, am so I? I suffered really bad, but at the moment I'm it's I'm it's workable. My life is workable. So it's in remission. I couldn't I couldn't leave I couldn't leave my house with the fear that if somebody was to breathe on me or touch me that I'd contract HIV. Even though I know okay, that's so not okay. So it, it got so. And this is the point I'm trying to make that uh, if it is uh, uh, as severe as Rachel probably had it, 
then you do need to seek help. Like, I mean, it stems from little things. So then the, the, need to, the need to clean or wash your hands comes from the intrusive thought. Because you can't diffuse yourself from that intrusive thought, um, you have to do a compulsion, like like that girl was saying, to keep herself safe for her nan's sake. Like, so you you get you then feed you actually feed the condition by doing the the compulsion. So they were two different uh, callers explaining what they live with in terms of uh, living with OCD. Dr. Podrick Gibson is the director of the OCD clinic in Dublin, which is something I had never heard of. And uh, Podrick, you're very welcome to Opinions Matter. Let me let me ask you: Did you establish uh, this clinic? Because of demand? Yeah, I mean, we have one here in Dublin, we've one in Malta, and we've one in Italy, and recently we opened one in Paris, such is the demand. Um, it is, as I think you said earlier on, I think a couple of your callers said, it's a kind of misunderstood condition. It's under, um, it's misunderstood. Uh, training for clinicians is very minimal, to say the best, or, you know, at least. Um and what we found is that when people suffer with uh, obsessive, obsessive thoughts or thinking, they can be so kind of shameful or upsetting to them that they fail to mention them to other people. I mean, for example, you might have a young woman who's had a baby and she may have a fear that she might harm the child or drop the kid. And it's often out of fear or shame that they won't report it to someone else. Mm. Now, in the past, certainly in the past 10 years, but really growing in the last 20 years, has been greater sources of ways of controlling our life. You know, like if you and I want to go to Barcelona, we can look up everything that we want to find on, on Google Maps. If I want to correct a feature on my face, I can go and get corrective surgery. If I want to check that my exam has been has gone well, I can go online and check everything. So there's a whole lot of new sources with which OCD has been given to grow. Now, as I said earlier on, because there's so little training in, in areas, certainly in clinical areas for this, the problem has grown and evolved. And more often than not, the first protocol for people is medication, which can at, at times work really quite well. But if it doesn't work, things tend to grow and become more complex and more complicated. So you could start with a kid who's frightened of going to school and he does certain things to relieve the distress. But in doing that, he tends to increase his fear of something. Mm. So, for example, if you and I come upon a fearful situation, we tend to apply a solution. With OCD, that solution tends to be some form of control, a ritual, something to do either mentally or practically. And it gives them the illusion of control over the fear. But the problem is, the more and more you repeat that form of control, the more out of control the control becomes. And even in that situation, the original fear that started the compulsion may no longer be a fear for the person anymore. And it's replaced with a new fear, such as what will happen if I don't do my compulsion. Mm. So it's a very, very complex form of a kind of anxiety disorder. But can I say something as well? It's not only a fear-based problem. You can have pleasure-based compulsions as well. There are certain forms of gambling and gaming online, which we know a lot of kids have been doing in the last year. A lot of forms of kind of self-harm can slowly over time become a compulsive pleasure people engage in. Uh, skin picking, hair pulling, there's a whole host of complex things that require different kind of interventions to the ones that are fear-based. So it is a very complex pathology. It's grown dramatically in the last 20 years, and there's more and more ways in which we can exercise these rituals. You know, whether it's, I've said whether it's through internet, through getting more information, but in parallel with that, there hasn't been an increase in training for clinicians, for specialists in the area, and it often goes unnoticed, undiagnosed, 
are underrepresented, e- even in clinical literature. So it's a complex problem, to say the least. One of the issues with uh, OCD, from what I can see and from what I've been reading, is that an awful lot of people in just in general society don't take it seriously enough and, you know, view it as just an idiosyncrasy that a person has, uh, you know, will use terms like, oh, I'm very OCD about the way my press is (laughs) set up or whatever, uh, where we, we wouldn't... Uh, and we tend not to treat other forms of mental issues in such a trivial manner. I, th- I think one of the reasons for this is that some of the some of the compulsions people do seem so bizarre and so unusual. And also as well, if you're speaking with people with OCD, they more often than not will tell you, um, as a matter of fact, that they know what they're doing is over the line and a little bit bizarre and unusual. And, and rationally, they'll tell you, look, I know I shouldn't do this and I know this won't happen if I don't do it. But emotionally, they feel blocked from stopping it. And if we think back to things like Jack Nicholson's movie, what was it called? As Good As It Gets or yes. something like that, um, where he won't step on the cracks, he won't lift things without his gloves, he wants his food cut up in a certain way. These kind of parodies or stereotypes kind of contribute to that distress people feel when they truly suffer with an obsessive compulsive disorder because it is one of those things that really, really, really complicates people's lives and it can be the most painful thing to have to go through. And in fact, you, you, you will have heard from the, the two previous callers from the show how severe it can be. I want to just play uh, a message for you, Porik, that has come in sure. and uh, get your reaction to this. Have a listen to this. Hi, Adrian. Yeah, when I was a kid, I suffered really badly with OCD. I kind of grew out of it. I don't really have it anymore, but um, I used to have this table in my room and everything had to be in order and everything had to be in the exact place and if it wasn't I'd actually freak out I also had this thing of washing I used to have to get up in the middle of the night I don't know why but I used to have to get up in the middle of the night so nobody would hear me and know how because washing myself in the day wasn't enough but when I was a child um if I was to wash my hair all the time, my mother would have given out. So I had to get up and secret and during the night and wash my hair and make sure I was all right for the next morning. And, you know, uh, I also had an obsession of, I kind of thought my hair had head lice. Now it didn't, but I kept going into all the shops and asking for this shampoo to get, to keep washing my hair so that my hair wouldn't have head lice. So yeah, it's pretty shit. Um, I remember it, but I don't have it anymore, thank God. But I'm very understanding to anybody who does, and I had it as a child and I couldn't tell anyone. So yeah, there's a lot of little kids out there have it, but they don't know, and their parents probably don't know either. And my question to you, Porik, is how common is OCD in children? Yeah, again, it is one of those things that within the last number of years has become more and more complex. Um, uh, and then more, I guess, more more prevalent because, you know, we live in a society where children are almost overprotected, you know, and children, when they're overprotected, begin to feel nervous about their own ability to deal with mm. difficulty or distress when it crops up. Uh, and with results, they're introducing more and more kind of compulsions to help themselves deal with it. Now, your last caller there or WhatsApp, whatever it was that came in there, is a really, really nice example where children can introduce small compulsions. Like, for example, if they're a bit perfectionistic, you know, keeping the copy book a certain way or the room a certain way. Or, for example, all kids develop fears and worries about dirt, you know, slugs, snails, poo, the whole kind of shebang. And more often than not, they put in little things to help them deal with those fears. But if they're repeated 
And if the parents begin to cooperate with that repetition, mm. the problem can grow dramatically over time. I mean, within a matter of three or four or five months, the child may refuse to leave the house. He may even refuse to leave his room, may refuse to shower or may repeatedly shower. So, you know, for example, if you have a really bright kid who thinks a lot about things and comes from a family, for example, where they're very either religious or they're extremely moral about things in a nice way, kids can take on those beliefs and they become so rigid that a kid won't curse, is worried, has he bumped into somebody and hurt them? Did he say something wrong to his friend? Or when they become teenagers, they might end up checking the okay, so if, 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 if anybody uh, listening to us, uh, either themselves or uh, their child, is is dealing with with OCD issues, there is help available, and that's the important thing. And if anybody wants to find out more information, uh, your website is uh, ocdclinic.ie, uh, and you can go straight there and find out uh, more information. Uh, Dr. Porrick Gibson, unfortunately, I'm out of time, but thank you very no much indeed for. Uh, for talking to us and we'd like to hear from you we'll take your calls after the break it's Ireland's most talked about podcast the only podcast with live callers and live debates it's Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy you're listening to the Opinions Matter podcast. This is uh, Adrian Kennedy. And a special edition of the show today, we're talking about OCD. It's a condition that many of us rip the piss out of other people because they like to line up their uh, baked beans. I've regularly uh, taken the mickey out of our Jeremy over many, many years over this exact thing. But talking about it today would make you um, think twice about mocking somebody with uh, OCD. And uh, Emma... You uh, suffer with a very severe form of uh, OCD, which involves uh, obsessive hair pulling. Describe that to me. It started probably when I was maybe around, I'd say, 11 or 12. But prior to that, like, I would have had um, little ticks that I used to do. Like, I had to, like, say, when I went into my bedroom at night, I had to flick a light switch on a couple of times, on and off. Um, I had a teddy that I had to say goodnight to um, in, a, in a particular way, you know, or I was, I, or else I'd feel like so I'd wake up in the morning and somebody I loved would have passed away. Um, you know, the, even to now, like, I have to have the radio in the car on an even number, can't be on an uneven number, or I start getting really fidgety. Um, but I think the hair pulling probably started around... Now, that's what I was about to say. Sorry, the, the, yeah. uh, I've known loads of people. In fact, we only spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, people who have to have the volume set on an even number or, yeah. or whatever. Um, that's not a debilitating condition. No. But, but no. the hair pulling is much more severe. Yeah. Tell me about that. So that started probably when I think I was around maybe 11 or 12 and um, I, I remember the first time I did it I was sitting on the couch and I was just kind of I was always kind of twirling with my hair and I kind of just like pulled I pulled the hair out and it, it felt um, it was kind of it's kind of hard to explain but it's kind of like a release um, like if you're feeling anxious like I'd say I'd pull a hair and it'd be a little bit of a release of that anxious feeling. So I kind of started doing it. And then before I knew it, I had like a ball of hair in my hand and I kind of just spiraled from there. And nobody knew about it until I think I was probably around 15 or 16. And I was always kind of, 
um, I got quite used to uh, parting my hair in different ways so say my mum didn't notice it. Oh right, so you'd cover up like bald patches? Yeah, yeah, I had bald patches by the time I was probably about 15 or 16 and uh, I remember one time my mum was putting a colour in my hair well I put a colour in my hair my mum was helping me to wash it out and she noticed a big bald patch and she just started crying because she immediately thought that maybe I was sick or something and uh, I had to sit her down and explain to her what I've been that, doing. That this was self-inflicted? Yeah, that it was self-inflicted, that it wasn't. I didn't have alopecia, that I wasn't ill and my hair was just falling out, that it was me actually doing it. And that was that was very, very upsetting for her and my dad because they, they didn't know why I was doing it. Uh, and they... Like they did their best, they brought me to the doctor and I did go to see therapists and stuff and I did do certain kind of behavioural therapies to try and help me uh, manage it. But unfortunately for me, nothing ever really worked. And by the time I was, say, 22, I was kind of wearing a wig because I had so much, um, so many different uh, areas of my hair, my head where I had no hair. Hmm. So I decided the best thing to do would be to wear a wig and... That worked for some people. It didn't really work for me. I found it very uncomfortable. And by the time, I think I was about maybe 26, I decided to shave my head because there was so much uh, patches where, where I had no hair. And I just decided, right, I'll just shave my head and I'll see, well, that helps. So my, um, my well, he was my boyfriend at the time, my husband. Now he shaved my head for me. And... Um, that was great until it started growing back. I kind of thought, you know what, maybe it'll take long enough for it to grow back where I won't be able to get a grip on the hair hmm. and it might kind of pull me out of the habit. But it didn't. And unfortunately, when the hair started growing back and there was enough there that I could get a grip on it, I would just do it again. But a lot of the time for me, it's, I, I don't realise that I'm doing it. Now, t- okay, so this started when you were younger. Yeah. Led, I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm blown away by the fact that you in order to deal with this you shaved your hair off yeah um and uh, how are you now um so my hair is shoulder length now but i have kind of like a ball patch around my crown so it, like it's the hair is kind of growing back my my issue is when my gray hair starts to appear like i'm blonde but my when the gray hair which hasn't been colored is appearing because it's wiry it's a different texture it drives me insane. So if I'm sitting like I'm sitting in the car now, I have the mirror closed over because if I if I I could be sitting here now chatting to you and I'm looking in the mirror and I can be plucking out those grey hairs and I mm. won't even realise it until I look down and there's like a mass of hair on my lap. So even like little things like not being able to get hairdressers and stuff now, that's detrimental to my hair purely because it means I pull it out more. Um, but say the complete underneath on the sides of both sides of my head, I have no hair. Um, uh, purely because I just keep pulling it out. Now you say that you did go for uh, for counselling and and whatever, yeah. uh, and it never really worked. Have you so kind of I, have you given up on getting help? No, no, definitely not. Like I, I have a great support system around me. I used to go to um, I used to go to OCV Ireland run brilliant uh, like uh, meetings and stuff like that where you can go um, and it's free. And I used to go to them. It was run once a month, um, but sometimes then they wouldn't have facilitators or there'd be nobody who'd show up it wasn't very well publicised I don't think not sure their own fault you mm. know but um, I did find them great but then unfortunately life got in the way work got in the way I sometimes couldn't make it to the meetings and that you know that I did when I was younger I tried a, I think called cognitive behavioural therapy and it kind of made me 
what I had to do was I'd have to make myself very aware of how many hairs I was pulling in a day. Like I'd have a sheet. So it, this was when I was in school. So I couldn't be sitting there in school with my sheet on front of me because I was really embarrassed. So I would, every time I pull a hair, I'd make a little pen mark on my hand. And when I'd come home, my whole hand would be covered in pen. And I would have to count all those little lines, you know, to make me, aware of how many hairs I was pulling each day but I, like, I still have it it's, it's not going away I've, like, I've kind of come to the point now where I you're, you're, you just learn to live with it yeah, like it doesn't upset me like it used to. Um, like there'd be days where I spend all day crying. I wouldn't want to leave the house. My mum had to like nearly throw me out the door to go to school on some mornings because I was so embarrassed about my hair. Mm. Um, but now it's kind of at the point where I'm actually quite open about it. Um, it's not a secret, you know. If anybody says to me, oh, how come you have no hair, you know, underneath? I'll, ex- I'll say to them, I'll say, look, I do this thing. I know it's weird, but I do it. And that's that. And, you know, a lot of people do say, why don't you just stop? And that's one thing that really, really gets me because, well, if I could just stop, I would. Hmm. Right. And how do you feel? I mean, obviously, as we said, yours is a very serious form of of OCD. And this conversation was sparked by that report that we were reading that says uh, that people don't take it seriously enough and um, take the mick out of it almost. And like you said, people have said to you, well, why don't you just stop? Like, if it was that simple, I, I would have stopped an awful long time ago. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't, like, I, I don't, as I said, sometimes I do it purely out of uh, frustration or I could even just be sitting watching the TV and I'm doing it. It's a comfort thing as well. And the problem with it is, is that, and I know this, like, some people are probably going to be listening and thinking, she's absolutely bonkers. But I know by the feel of a hair if I'm going to pull it and the root is going to come with it. Mm. And that's what I want as weird as that sounds, because it creates, it feels like a little popping sensation in your head. But that's what, for me, gives me the relaxation element of it. But then, nearly always, I will put that hair into my mouth. And I've been warned by doctors so many times that, like, I'm at risk of developing a hairball in my stomach because of that. So it's not just a case of, you know, I'm pulling out my hair and throwing it on the ground. I pull out the hair if it's, if it looks a certain way, I put it in my mouth, I run it through my teeth, um, my and some, sometimes that ends up with me swallowing it. And that can lead to having hairballs, which can cause major issues. Now, thankfully, it hasn't happened. Um, but it's one of those things where it could, I could develop it, you know? So, again, just to bring you back to the point about, about getting help, and yeah. would you think of going to somewhere like the OCD clinic, which oh, has been yeah. extremely successful? And, in fact, I was reading on their website earlier on, they've an 88% success rate in easing um, people's different OCD issues. Yeah, 100%. I'd never heard of them. So it's definitely yeah, well, there you are. O- OCDclinic.ie is, uh, is their website address, so... Yeah, when you're, when you're finished it. talking to us, have a have a look at their website. It's, it's, I will, of course. it's well worth it. Emma, I really appreciate you uh, sharing that story with us. No um, you seem very upbeat, despite it all. Um, well, it's your look. I have to live with it. It's, I don't let it get me down anymore because it is what it is, and you know, it's part of my life. It's part hmm. of me. And there's no point in me being upset and crying every day about it. So I kind of just get to the point now where I'm like, right, I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm comfortable with the fact that I do this. And if it means that I can educate some other people about it. You know, for me, my my main issue at the moment now is I have a three-year-old and I've seen him twirling 
he's, he's coming up curly hair I've seen him twirling his hair and for me okay, my, you want to make sure worry, history doesn't repeat itself yeah. that's my yeah, thing yeah, so yeah, I yeah. try and make sure that I'm not doing it around him It's great to talk to you Emma thanks very much thanks indeed very for much. sharing your story with us um, now uh, Kate, you've been uh, suffering with OCD for, for years and you believe an awful lot of people suffer in silence. Yes, I really do, Jeremy. Uh, or Adrian, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, uh, I actually think it's probably more common than people realise um, and they just think of it as, as quirks uh, when in fact, like a lot of it, um, just knowledge on OCD in general is very vague. Uh, mm. The US and the UK have a lot of information. Um, and one of my big realizations was through a podcast called The OCD Stories. Um, just I basically, one of these days, I just was looking for something to try and explain. And I used to suffer with uh, the contamination OCD where I was compulsively washing my hands. Instead, it kind of turned to picking my skin. Um, and when I started to listen to the different stories on the OCD stories, I realised that there were loads of similarities, you know. Mm. Um, I'm just actually looking at that. I'd, I'd never heard of that before. Obviously, because I don't live with it, I'm not looking for it. So uh, yeah, this is yeah. a, a podcast series by um, Stuart, Ralph, Stuart Ralph. Yeah, called yeah. The OCD Stories. And that's been very helpful to you, has it? Massively, uh, Adrian. I I can't describe. There was one in particular, um, a girl in the US. So I was struggling. Um, I'd always been a confident driver. Um, once I passed passed my test, and I started to. So that's the thing with OCD. Sometimes it can pop up in places, and you don't even realise that it's happening. So mm. I started to become very worried, and it's basically called hit and run OCD. Um, and basically. So give, give me an idea of the sorts of things that you live with. Um, so if I'm, drive, if I'm driving my car and I drive over a speed bump, sometimes I'll have uh, like an intrusive thought, basically where my mind will say to me, you drove over a person, you need to go back and check. You need to like, do you know what I mean? And I'd be fully aware of, of where I am and that, that kind of thing. And it, it ends up in a spiral of you going back to check or if you hear say an ambulance go by you think you've you know hit someone and not realized and it can be like really debilitating like you just completely doubt yourself a lot um just in terms of it makes you question everything that you do sometimes when it's really really bad and this is Um, this is a constant thing in your mind um, well, I'm, I'm doing counselling at the moment um, and like I'm educating myself on it has made me, like has improved it massively. Um, and at the moment, my counsellor is doing acceptance and commitment therapy. So it's like, it's called ACT um, and it's basically going towards a, a value-led life um, and it's trying to kind of redirect and... Um, just trying to, to combat the compulsions and identifying where your mind is kind of spiraling and that kind of thing. Um, but it's just awareness is a massive thing, Adrian. And I really just feel like hopefully somebody on this today has maybe identified with some of the stuff that I've been talking about. But to be aware that the compulsions can be physical and mental. A lot of people, that was a big realisation for me, was um, the mental compulsion. So rumination something like a thought where it's constantly through your head and you just cannot 
get through it. But I would just, I, I'd really, really um, encourage just to seek help. Mm. Therapy is, is massive. There's loads of information out there. Um, it can be overwhelming, but um, it, like, it's it's so reassuring to realize that you're not alone. Like the amount of stories that I've listened to on that podcast where I've been like, oh, there it is popping up again. There's something else that I identify so that I know that it's all. Um, and another thing um, that is huge with OCD is intrusive thoughts. So a lot of people probably suffer with intrusive thoughts and think that, you know, they're a really bad person. I know that like um, there are loads of different types, you know, uh, harm people who are having intrusive thoughts about maybe harming their their partner or their baby and that kind of stuff. And just to be aware that you are not your thoughts and um, like there is... And can I, sorry to cut across you, Kate, can I ask you, yes. in terms of, of, of treatment and finding a solution, what yeah. have you done? Um, so I, I see a cancer um, on a weekly basis um, and um, like there is obviously also medication as well. Uh, I've talked to my doctor and that kind of thing and um, yeah, it's just actively seeking help. Um, and and is, it hel- is it helping? Yes. Yeah, okay, well, that's good. Absolutely. All right, stay there for one second. And once again, that uh, podcast, for those of you uh, who are affected by this, is called The OCD Stories uh, by uh, Stuart Ralph. And it, it certainly is on Apple Podcasts. I assume it's available uh, where all podcasts are available. Now, Ellie, you... Oh, in fact, let me just read the message that you sent in to us. And it says, I have OCD. I was diagnosed with it almost five years ago. I have my rituals and compulsions, like keeping the light switches on the same way. Uh, can't shower on a Tuesday night doing things at certain times I hate when uh, people mock it and that's the whole point of this conversation uh, Ellie that people do mock it yeah it's like you know I remember seeing somebody do a quiz on Facebook how OCD are you you Mm. wouldn't do it about cancer you wouldn't do it about anything else so why is it okay to do it about mental illness yeah, and I've seen stuff like that myself. And in fact, if I'm to be honest with you, uh, Ellie, uh, years ago, we would have done phone-ins on how OCD are you? Because yeah. um, it, because of the way in which people treat it in a trivial way. And that's why we, we decided today's conversation was going to be completely different about how serious this actually is. And it's not a yeah. trivial matter. It's not to be uh, mocked. No, it's not. It's... It... People aren't getting help because of the stigma and they're afraid, you know, they go to the doctor and say, well, I I can't eat anything unless it's in threes. And the doc- they're afraid the doctor will say, well, you're nuts and just go home and eat four. Mm. And it's not like that. And there, there are people out there who can only eat things in threes and they need help. One of the things you say. One of the things you say in your message is, "I have extreme anxiety to the point where I find it hard to leave the house, and if I do, I obsess over uh, the door being locked." But people think it's funny to say, "Oh, I'm so OCD." Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I, and to be honest, I didn't fully understand OCD. I thought it was just cleaning before and I was I never would have said I had OCD mm. and it's not just that it's it's so many things I mean I mentioned the light switch if I don't have the light switches the right way I think like my family's going to die mm. you know it's, it's, it's horrible so if you're leaving the house what goes through I, your I, mind 
Um, I'm afraid somebody will break in. Um, I'm afraid I've left the door open. It's all my fault if somebody does come in. Um, you know, you just, you know, I'll come home and the house will be in bits. Um, just things like that. Like, so I lock the door and I check this. I have to press the lock down three times and then I can walk away. If I remember that, I've done it three times. But I could be halfway down the street and I'll go, did I do it two times? And I'll have to go back. Hmm. You say you were diagnosed a number of years ago. Um, yeah. What have you done since the diagnosis to ease your symptoms, if you like? Is that the correct even term to use, the symptoms that you have? Yeah, I suppose symptoms would be the right way to say it, yeah. Um, so I actually was diagnosed five years ago, but I was diagnosed previously. I have bipolar disorder. So I started medication when I was about five years ago. And then you can't be on that medication if you have bipolar disorder. So I came off it. And I started CBT, so cognitive behavioural therapy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I did that for a couple of months, but to me, it wasn't as helpful as it would be to some people. But yeah, so I kind of just I deal with it by myself now. I just, you know, some things I still do. Some things I've worked really, really hard on. Like I used to be able to go to a restaurant and eat off their forks. Right, but now okay. I can. Now you can. Okay, so you are making progress. Um, yeah, definitely. And like I said earlier on. Until today, I had never heard, I'd never even realised that we have an OCD clinic here uh, yeah, in Dublin. Yeah, never heard of that. Which is fantastic uh, that we're letting that be known. And their website address, as I mentioned already, is ocdclinic.ie. And I was um, on their website earlier on and they're, I mean, they say they have an 88% success rate in dealing, uh, in easing symptoms that people have. Uh, I appreciate the call, Ellie. I have one more call to uh, bring in uh, on this that you don't want to miss straight after the break. Voted Irish Current Affairs Podcast of the Year. It's Opinions Matter with Adrian and Jeremy. Now, let me just squeeze in one last call on what we've been talking about, and that is OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And we're not talking about people who like to keep their kitchen clean or their bathroom clean or line up their baked beans facing the one direction. We're talking about people who have a condition that is quite debilitating in their life. Now, Linda, uh, you have had uh, OCD for the last five years. Did it just suddenly come upon you? Well, actually, I've had it from, I was about, it was around 2011, it started. I had anxiety before that, definitely. And then I just experienced an intrusive thought of harm, a harm of a family member. And that's really when it all really kicked off. I definitely had OCD tendencies, uh, but nothing in the form of these intrusive thoughts Mm. until 2011. And give me an idea of, of what you live with. I don't live with it anymore. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I now treat people with OCD. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. So I've went through, I've had it for about five years. And during that time, I obviously, you know, there's a lot of shame attached to OCD, especially with intrusive thoughts. Uh, a lot of people feel kind of embarrassed about what they're thinking um, because it can be about other people, obviously. And it's really against the person's moral um, ethic, you know. Hmm. So I went to get various treatments. So I got CBT. Uh, I didn't go on the medication. I had been offered medication many times, but I just didn't feel like it was suitable for me. So I did do CBT. I got sent uh, to various different people, psychologists, the healers, to just trying to find a way to give myself back some sort of peace of mind. Because 
when, if anyone knows with OCD, as people have been talking about, the intrusive thoughts are constant. Uh, so really the only relief I was getting was sleep. So the minute I'd wake up, I would be so much, have so much anxiety and fear attached to these thoughts. And mm. because there's so much anxiety and fear, these thoughts become a constant obsessional state. Um, you've heard of people talking about compulsions where people are physically acting out to do something. But I had mental compulsions. So I'd ruminate in my head about the thought. I probably would check. I definitely did check on the internet because I needed to know what was actually happening to me. I did feel like I was losing my mind. Now, this is something that I experience with clients all the time. So transition to that, what I'd done was um, I tried all the talk therapy. I tried the natural, I tried the, the known therapy set for OCD at the time. Apart from medication, I tried CBT. But then I found um, a form of breathing technique that's under the Kundalini Yoga tradition. And I started to become a teacher in this. Uh, for my own purpose, first and foremost. And I started to get relief big time. So this specific breath technique, what it does is OCD is obviously from a subconscious past memories or past thought passions or fears, basically fears. And what this breath technique does is that it balances the nervous system. So when we have these fears, we're constantly in a state of, you might say, flight and fight. You know, the sympathetic mm. arises constantly. So with the practice of these specific breath techniques, I noticed very, very quickly that I was having less and less anxiety when I had these intrusive thoughts. So I had less and less fear. Mm. And the more I practiced this, the more the fear started to dissipate. And as that happened, the more the fear started to dissipate, the less and less these thoughts kept coming back. Because the only reason why they're coming back is because there's so much attached there's so much fear attached to them, you know. Um, then, obviously, the compulsion will also start to alleviate because the only thing that keeps the compulsion active is the response to the thought, is the fear. So if I feel really anxious, I'm going to do something to help me alleviate the anxiety. And that's when people will act out, so physically checking something or mentally checking something because it gives them some relief in that moment. But as we know from people that... For myself that has has had OCD and also people that has it, is that these behaviours only give short-term relief. In fact, they really exaggerate the behaviour and they keep the behaviour going. Okay, so, so the, the point being that uh, it is possible, and you're proof of it, to yeah. uh, deal with and cure and get over your exactly. OCD. Yeah, very yes. good. All right, Linda, that's a, a note of hope to end on. And once again, uh, for those of you who'd never even heard of the OCD clinic, we were talking to Dr. Patrick Gibson earlier on, uh, director of uh, OCD clinic in Dublin. Their website is uh, ocdclinic.ie. ocdclinic.ie if you want to find out uh, more about the uh, OCD clinic and I think I have their number doing 6618562 okay 6618562 opinions matter subscribe to this podcast for free on the go loud app